0: This is Dissecting Dragons, a speculative fiction podcast for writers and readers, by writers and readers. Hello, and welcome to Dissecting Dragons. I'm Madeleine Vaughan.
1: And I'm Jules Ironside. This week, Distant Fathers, 2D Beefcakes and Tortured Villains, Sexist Tropes Against Men in Speculative Fiction. <laughs> <coughs>
0: So this was actually, a, <laughs> this is quite an interesting episode because um, Jules approached me and she said, I've got one and it's slightly contentious. Yeah. And I was like, okay, all right. And then she started explaining it. And I was like, yes, yes, let's do this. <laughs> and I don't think she expected me to be as kind of into, you know, as inter- as engaged with this episode subject as i was
1: <laughs> yeah i think and i think actually that's kind of reflective of a broader mindset whereby i think probably more people than i realize have noticed the- these same growing trends and things um just as i have but no it nobody's talking about them because no one wants to tread on anybody's toes and obviously we're not setting out to tread on anyone's toes today but no. I've noticed these things. Madeline's clearly noticed these things as well. And maybe it's time we've, we had a frank conversation about some of it.
0: I completely agree. Um, now, obviously, we've looked at things from the other side, you know, and we've talked about misogyny and stuff like that a lot over the, um, you know, over the course of Dissecting Dragons episodes. Um, uh, and we have touched on misandry as well. Um But this week we're really really going to be focusing in on it. Um, and I am certainly coming from the perspective that feminism for me is about equality for. All the sexes essentially
1: yeah
0: um, it's it's not about saying one is better than the other it's not about saying well one dominated so now it's someone else's turn I don't believe that I just believe that everybody should be given equal opportunities based on them as individuals not on the sex that they happen to be or the gender that they happen to be Um so i think it is important to actually address the issue of misandry when it does appear because um whenever you get misandry it's not actually only affecting men um it actually affects things on a wider level um and there is a domino kind of effect um so i do think it's important and i think that anyone who kind of just sort of says well no i don't want to you know just kind of says that's not important is is missing something there
1: yeah i completely agree um for those people who would uh, very much sort of like well no men have been in charge for x number of years centuries etc it's time for women to be in charge i would respectfully suggest that you really look at that because what that sounds to me is is, is basically like bigotry from the other side yeah um <laughs> nobody should be in charge based on their sex or their gender or anything, that's the thing it's, yeah. it's broader, more complicated than that and I don't think facile arguments like that are really worthy of us anymore, I mm. think we can all do better um, my, my other point I suppose is that um, just as, as Madeline's um, been saying um, when you marginalise any group of people then you make the whole Yep. Much poorer yeah and and um, you know that that obviously includes uh prejudice against men as well, and it's yeah. something that we've seen creep in, so from my perspective, the things that have kind of really started making this bug me lately, um we've obviously seen lots of things in in the news and stuff recently, mm. um, which is kind of beyond the scope of this episode to really do more than touch upon, to be honest, yeah. Um, I've had, I've noticed growing trends in science fiction and fantasy, uh, very specifically newer science fiction and fantasy which has been quite on the nose and in some cases sincerely sort of cringeworthy and at worst really quite hateful which I didn't Mm. like seeing and then I read this really interesting article Um, it was actually supposed to be some background research on my part so that I was getting perspectives and things right for writing. But it, I read several of these, these various articles and it was the experience of um, trans males, basically. Mm. And one thing that kept coming up in all these different articles was how before they transitioned, they had experienced sexism as women. And then after they transitioned, because many more trans males tend to be able to pass without people necessarily realizing certainly if they're they're well into a transition yeah you know, without going into sort of the personal details because that's beyond me at the moment yeah um they also experience sexism, sexism as men this kind of it's not so much they were doing it to escape it it's just a, very noticeable that on one side they were being argued against because they were women they transitioned and then they were sort of being prejudiced against because they're male and i actually think that's a very unique perspective that is literally somebody who can genuinely say actually this is an issue on both sides because i've been on both sides so that yeah sort of sealed it for me in the sense of no actually i'm not this isn't all in my head i'm not nuts I think maybe yeah. we should talk about it.
0: <laughs> Again it highlights the fact that trans people really really do you know because the, because they will experience sexism against them from their you know their their biological gender from when they're born the sexism against sorry their biological sex and then sexism against them for their for their gender and then also sexism against them for their for for being trans. <laughs> Like, so... They they really do get it all.
1: Yeah, so, um... But, I mean, specifically in this area, I thought it was interesting that people were making... You know, people look at other people and they make value judgments. So they were making value judgments, sincerely believing that someone's... Based on someone's perceived biological sex. Yeah. Even though... Which is dangerous. Yeah, which is dangerous. Even though it wasn't... um, obviously as straightforward as the people doing these things actually thought it was. And it's, um, I just, I do think that's a really interesting perspective. Um, So anyway, I'm not setting myself up as an expert.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Um, and neither am I. Yeah. Um,
1: Uh, Obviously, we're coming from the perspective as writers, I'm not a sociologist, a lawmaker or a psychologist. I'm pretty sure Madeline isn't, or if she is. She's playing it very close to her chest.
0: <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I have this all whole these extra time. degrees. Um, <laughs> I'm all three. Uh, no.
1: <laughs> and since we're both speculative fiction writers, we're mostly coming from the perspective of we've noticed this creeping, insidious trend in speculative fiction, and we yeah. think there are certain questions to be asked, and maybe some trends that need to be nipped in the bud, sort of now-ish. Yeah
0: yeah now as with all of these things as a disclaimer um we're obviously going to be we're looking at the trends on a whole this is not necessarily us saying that having these kinds of things is inherently bad um or that you should therefore dox or just not engage with any material which does have them it's about looking at what the larger implications are um in order to kind of move forward so bear that in mind we're not after anybody here and as always both Jules and I um are very aware of the limitations of our own knowledge obviously we both read and engage with a lot of things but there's always more to learn so if you think that we've missed out on anything or that we have we need another perspective or things like that remember we love to hear from you and we are always prepared to take on new knowledge and to adjust our opinions based on that so keep that in mind yeah so let's get into the nitty-gritty of (laughs) and i say this with inverted commas reverse sexism
1: (laughs) yeah see uh, i i suppose just to skip slightly um the whole reverse sexism thing is supposed to refer to sexism to a man which to me is just sexism because you're discriminating (laughs) based on somebody's biological sex so yeah or they're you know presenting gender yeah um but for the purposes of this conversation, biological sex, certainly. Um, and it is quite a difficult topic to broach because many people adhere to the belief that men cannot experience sexism. And, you know, holding my hand up, um, certainly in my teens and early 20s, I did think that was the case. I thought, you know, genuinely it was women who always got the short end of the stick. Um, yeah. But... Just because the world is more set up with men in mind, because men did more of the setting up, because they had more rights through the centuries, etc. It doesn't follow that that same limiting system doesn't also discriminate against them.
0: Yeah. And one of the really important things to remember is that sexism on both parts doesn't have to come from the opposite gender. doesn't have to come from another gender. No. So um, women can be sexist against other women, and you see large examples of it. Um, and men can be sexist against other men and so forth so it's not a right it's a versus kind of thing it's a it's a wider thing Um, and often the greatest perpetrators of sexism can be within one's own gender so um, we're not saying this is a versus thing at all and it's really important to keep that in mind
1: yeah definitely Um, so as we've said yeah there's no reverse sexism it's just sexism yeah. Um, now, look, if you play the statistics, women are more likely to be discriminated against based on biological sex for certain yeah. areas. Um, it's far less in the West now than it was. Sometimes we're playing with a deck of cards that's 20 years old, old and 20 years out of date. And yeah. I think, I think people in my generation especially are kind of still stuck in that mindset. And sometimes we don't make the necessary mental adjustments to say... Actually, look how far we have actually come. We're still arguing from a position we were in back yeah. when we were teens and 20 somethings, and um, that's not accurate anymore. It's a different set of pressures and things. Yeah. And um, um, women are more likely to experience domestic violence or intimate partner violence if you're in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're more likely to experience sexual assault in certain scenarios, but yep. not all of them. <laughs> and they're more likely to be underpaid and underprivileged particularly if you look on a worldwide level if you bring the whole world in on this then yes as a whole statistically women are more likely to be underpaid etc again the glass ceiling is not so much a glass ceiling anymore so many people have gone through it now but there's not very much of it left um, yeah and again we're not making a necessary adjustment so um, when women don't succeed we're now kind of shouting at men for it rather than saying well okay but what are men doing that women aren't doing that they have actually got the opportunity to do
0: yeah and of course it's also important to recognize that actually sometimes the the results of what we're seeing is actually to do with a structure which is which is in place which isn't actually being done consciously yeah um and It's not about saying, blaming anyone else. It's not about saying, well, you need to make changes there. Um, I think everyone can make changes with certain things. It's about basically saying, okay, well, how can we change this? For example, uh, the fact that you don't see a lot of women in STEM at the moment. Yes, there is certainly, um, and there historically has been difficulties with women breaking into the sciences and stuff like that. Um, There's a story that uh, that my dad will tell about... I won't give any names or anything like that, but with a company, he, he's, an, he's an engineer. Um, and he would ba- basically, he was talking to the company and they said, oh, we, we need a, an engineer. We need some new engineers. And he said, I've got this person. They've graduated top of their class from this excellent university, brilliant grades, you know, um, and they were like, oh, fantastic. We really want them. And, says, and he said, okay, well, I'll send over her details. And suddenly it was, ah, no we we don't want a woman and it was it was on the oil rigs at the time and uh, they were like you know we can't we can't accommodate a woman and things like that you know we just couldn't despite the fact that this person was absolutely perfect for them etc yeah um uh but this was you know a few years ago this was you know a couple of decades ago now if not more um things have changed but there are still structures in place in the ways that things are taught in the way that um you know values and things like that are sort of addressed which it's just about changing perspective it's not about saying men need to do this or women need to do that it's just about rearranging a structure which has lasted from a time where things were actually a
1: lot worse as it were yeah and they Um, I uh, mean I think it's definitely something that was shifting and self-correcting with little nudges by itself now turning it into a huge march against men in general is actually very counterproductive
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: and a lot of it now is kind of a dressed up way of, of I don't know, some of it is a dressed up way of just hating on a specific group of people which we would never tolerate for any other group I don't yeah. believe and it it feels that way, I think. Um, other, I guess while we have all these disadvantages as women, um, as men, men are statistically far more likely to be the victims of violent assault. So just walking down the street. Yeah. Now the perpetrators are also men. <laughs> hmm So there is definitely something to address there, as in, yeah, why why are men attacking both women and men, and everybody else, etc. Yeah. There is something to address there um yeah. so if you can sort out that problem you sort out i don't know what about 75 of all crime Yeah. Um, which would be great yeah um, they're
0: also obviously more likely to be victims of homicide yeah. as well um within the same ballpark um and they're far more likely to lose custody rights of children and things like that um which is incredibly sad actually um
1: it Particularly
0: is. in cases where actually the father really is actually the one who should be taking care of, of the kids. Um, or when a very messy kind of relationship ends and the father is basically cut off from his children, like he doesn't care about them equally, like he doesn't, you know, doesn't need to engage with them equally. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh that's that's incredibly upsetting. Um, then of course there is that they are far more likely to be assumed to be sexual predators or to be grilled more ruthlessly when attempting to adopt or to foster as well um, this is particularly the case you know when you have like a homosexual couple for example um, they are going to have a lot of difficulties actually sometimes with adopting and things like that because of that or There's also you know, a
1: single man or a single or a single
0: yeah. man of course yes as well um, and then, and then, of course, there is the issue that um, men who do experience um, domestic violence are far more likely not to be believed, are far more likely not to be able to actually find the support that they need, um, or to actually be able to speak about it. And that's domestic violence from both women and men and, you know, others as well. Um, they just they're far more likely to kind of just be dismissed in that, which is incredibly dangerous and very, very sad. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, I honestly do understand the whole play statistics thing because, yes, yes. statistically, if you have nothing else to go on, you would say, okay, he's probably the perpetrator. But once Mm. you have evidence in front of you, or once you have the whole story we ought to be treating everyone as if you know they have an equal stake in this um because yes it's still very difficult to come forward it's very difficult to get a conviction for domestic violence most domestic violence cases don't ever make it to court because um it's too difficult it's it's very difficult actually if you're in relationship with somebody and we're not talking about marriage with children and everything else and perhaps Mm -hmm. being financially dependent on someone just being in a relationship with somebody who is violent towards you um can absolutely change your mindset on everything and yeah you wouldn't necessarily go into (laughs) go into a legal battle in that i can i can honestly tell you um but having said that Women are absolutely capable of being perpetrators of domestic violence, um yeah, without mentioning or or you know, <laughs> scheming in other ways, shall we say I can speak of uh, one person who is a friend of mine from years ago, and I went to see him um one morning, we were just sort of hanging out, and he had a pretty great bruise across the side of his face, and I said, "What the hell happened to you?" and He said his girlfriend had thrown the iron at him." the iron that she'd just been using to iron her shirt so it was hot as well she'd literally thrown this this huge thing at his head and I remember distinctly saying okay you you do know that's not right don't you You do know that that is actually assault and he was sort of shifted and looked a bit uncomfortable in the sense of yeah but she's a small girl and this is this was a small person she was smaller than me But on the other hand, that's assault with a weapon. (laughs) The intention makes the weapon. And I've heard other cases. I know there was a lot of that going on. But I can speak of another case where, again, mentioning no names, an affair broke up badly. Mm -hmm. And the man in that scenario went back to his wife. And the woman did not appreciate this. And he rather foolishly wanted to try and patch everything up with everybody and keep the original friendship he'd had. Right, which is somewhat foolish that the the jilted party um had him arrested for stalking. oh dear uh, I could go I won't go into details, but she very definitely schemed and did other things there um and I found out from uh, other friends who had issues with this person that she had not only done it to this person she'd done it to several other people as and she did it in a she sort of serially messed up people's families and then i could speak of a friend's brother whose wife uh, ex-wife wanted full custody of a child he ended up spending a night in a cell because his ex-wife accused him of sexually assaulting his son nothing like that had ever happened but she wanted full custody so that's what she did so yes, that
0: is that's just horrifying.
1: It is horrifying. Um, I think we need to get away from this "believe all women" idea. We should be open to listening to everybody.
0: Yeah, I mean the thing with the "believe all women," I know where it came from. It came from a point where it was it was basically saying a number of women are coming forward about a certain person. We've got to we've actually got to listen to them. We can't dismiss them all. We can't just say, "Oh well, they're all." idiots and it's about basically saying that that in particularly in certain circles of things like that there were men in power who were getting away with things because they um, because they were in power they had power over other people yeah um, so I know where it was coming from it was coming from okay but we've actually got to listen to these people uh, but <laughs> at the same time You do have to really, really consider the fact that there are two sides to every story. Um, Statistically, yes, we can say, all right, actually, um, we should listen to victims. Um, But that also means we've got to listen to male victims, too.
1: it, we're really it, talking around to the most famous case at the moment aren't we? we
0: we are we are i think we should probably just just go for it and say look i'm not actually i just don't know with this i think it was a whole hell show but the johnny depp amber heard situation um i'm not gonna get into it i think that it was very very messy um personally from what i have seen i believe that this was a toxic relationship between two people who were very toxic with each other um who were abusive to one another um but i think that essentially um everyone went one way and then suddenly had to go drastically the other way instead of saying hold on a second perhaps actually there are two perpetrators here and perhaps there are two victims here as it were perhaps two people are just not right for each other um i don't want to get into it because i think it's just it's just too much
1: yeah <laughs> um i will say i don't believe amber heard was a victim at all having okay. those 300 hours of johnny depp trying to run away and lock himself in a bathroom there's absolutely no evidence that anything he ever did anything i don't imagine he was a great husband i don't imagine being with somebody who was drunk and on drugs all the time was fun or someone who was unreliable no um and yes they've definitely both said really nasty ugly things to each other definitely but if you want to look at someone who was perpetrating violence and starting fights it was her
0: i i definitely think that she perpetrated violence i but i just the, the fact of the matter is is that also i say um i can't you know it's a circus that we we have to consider all side of things and i'm just not in a position to be making any kinds of judgments about that based on what was kind of on the media and stuff like that um and it's not something that i I particularly want to kind of to to share here but it's it's certainly a very interesting case if we if we kind of take a step back and say right let's not look at the celebrities let's look let's look at just the case in general about um this idea that actually we could potentially I'm not saying this was the case but we could potentially have had a situation where a woman was the aggressor against a man um and basically destroyed him because of it um you know and and that's it and not just him
1: but various previous partners as well Yeah. so there Um, was a definite pattern of abuse going on
0: yeah absolutely so um I mean the end of the day uh, as i said we're not going to get into it because i think that's just too much to get into um
1: yeah but i think it it was important in that we raised the question can men be victims of domestic violence and the answer is yes yeah and the uh, i think people needed to be aware of that and they needed to sort of see that actually when you have got uh, a very, very attractive woman coming forward and saying, oh, so-and-so hit me, um, quite often we're more primed to believe her. And that was the thing. Uh, People have said, oh, well, you know, this is is misogyny, et cetera, et cetera. Um, She wasn't listened to. The thing was, yes, she was listened to. She was listened to at length. There was a trial in the court of public opinion for years before it got to a genuine court. Mm. And everybody was pretty much on her side all the way until they were actually presented with evidence and at that point people started to see that actually they might have been wrong to immediately jump to her side yeah and that is a problem because it does make it more difficult for women who perhaps are not uh, young and statuesque and beautiful and rich to come forward and say actually this happened and i need recompense for it yeah um and it's and it... <laughs> you know it's it's important that men get to come forward and say actually this has absolutely ruined my my name my credibility yeah. my career and my life um,
0: yeah it it makes me think of a case of this poor guy uh, and forgive me I cannot remember names um, of a man who was accused of uh, sexual assault um And years and years later, uh, he was sent to jail for it. And years and years later, um, basically the woman came forward and said, yeah, I made it up. Um, It didn't happen. It wasn't true. Um, And this man was released. And I just think. Can you imagine the pain of going through that? A life destroyed, because at the end of the day, even if that guy is now out of jail, even if he's free, now he spent that time in jail he is traumatized by this and he will forever have that kind of dogging him yeah Uh, you know he he probably has lost friendships over this and all for for something spiteful i i think that it's just cruelty and the problem is that the moment anyone does that it does kind of put a mark on anyone else um and it it, it is about basically assuming and i think also in this case a racial issue was involved because I think it was a white woman against a black man so you know we've got to sort of agree you know we've got to say yes actually that sometimes racial elements can go into it as well Um, but we've got to kind of stop assuming that men um, and you know this is particularly applied to sort of men of colour and things like that um, that uh, they are inherently violent uh, wrong or have nefarious you know nefarious intentions um, and it always makes me think of a story my dad told me uh, which is that he was out shopping one day um, and obviously he's he's had two um, two young kids of his own and as he was out and about he saw a little girl she was very young and she had gotten separated from her mother and she was running up and down like uh the sort of the little area that they were in crying looking for her mother because she was lost and immediately my father thinks about me when i was that age because i was always running off and stuff like that and his first instinct of course is to rush over and say are you all right let me help you find your mother everything's gonna be okay you know because he's a father that was his instinct and he had to he, he was about to go and do it and then he had to force himself to stop because he's, he said what are people going to think what is the assumption people are going to make if they see a strange man going up to this, this small girl Yeah. and so he stood there and he watched her to make sure nothing bad happened to her Um. and he watched and he, he basically kept an eye on her until her mother found her um and she was she was crying she was really upset and all he wanted to do was comfort her and tell her everything was going to be okay but he couldn't um and i think about that and i think about the fact that if it had been me i probably would have it probably would have been fine if if I, if a, me as a woman i'd gone up to a little crying child and i said what's wrong what is it okay well let's stand here together and we'll wait for your mummy okay then um it it wouldn't have been a problem really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not in the same
0: perspective. And that is incredibly sad. And again, we have, we understand why this happens. We do. Um, But, and I'm not saying that we're going to end that anyway. I think it's always better to, to be cautious at the end of the day, but we've got to kind of actually look at, all right, how, how are we actually addressing this in fiction? Yeah. Um, and therefore perpetrating it.
1: Definitely. So basically, just to really underline our opinion here, no matter what you think about any of the cases we've talked about, um, men can absolutely be victims of sexism, domestic violence, sexual assault, and general discrimination, and even misandry. And this can be at the hands of women as well, just because women are physically tend to be smaller and weaker does not mean they are not capable of doing terrible things to other people. Yes. Um, uh, so, yeah, can we please start rejecting the narrative that it's okay to hate on men in general because they've got it coming? And I think that's the thing that really bugs me because it's creeping into fiction.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's perfectly okay to dislike certain people <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah, but it
1: should be but individuals, not yeah, a whole in- group. Yeah, individuals,
0: <laughs> yeah. Basically saying a whole, you know, a whole group, That's that's when things start to get a bit dicey.
1: Okay. So... What does it mean in fiction terms now obviously we've thoroughly canvassed sexist tropes mm-hmm. in fiction against women in previous episodes so you can always dig yeah. those up if you want them um yeah. we've never really looked at the tropes in the same way that are problematic for men and we will get to that in a minute um so yeah women are far more likely or were far more, f- far more likely far more likely to be sexistly represented in the past um mm-hmm. and still are in some cases there's been a disturbing and insidious creep the other way over the last five years or so or at least that's when I started really noticing it. Yeah, It might have been going on longer.
0: Yeah, um, And it basically went from actually let's just turn the narrative a little bit to being very very purposeful if that makes sense and it's, so again we're not talking about individual things as it were, we, we, we might give some examples but we're not actually sort of saying oh this one thing is bad it's about looking at it as a whole. Um, So it is most noticeable in books, TV series and films that are diversity first rather than story first. Now, obviously, we've been very vocal um, about being all for diversity, (laughs) obviously. And we still are. (laughs) (laughs) And we still are. Uh, But we generally feel that speculative fiction and storytelling should be focused on story in the first instance, just because actually, if you go, if you're basically just ticking boxes, Um, you're not gonna end up telling a good story, which is actually going to then harm the cause. So if I go, I want a really diverse story, then that's fantastic. But if what happens is you go, right, well, I'm just gonna tick all the boxes in terms of diversity and deliver a story, which is crap. um, What happens is people go, oh, you know, this diversity first thing is just creates terrible media. Therefore we don't want it. you know, which is counterproductive. So you want a good story and it's possible to have a good story, which is also diverse. I know crazy. Um,
1: so, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. fine to cast diversely to blind cast even, although we yeah. do have mixed feelings on that one um, to yeah. write diversely, to have shows and books, which don't feature any men at all or any white people or what have you. Um, to write your story. Where yeah. it becomes a problem is when you only have one, usually a white cis head man, and mm-hmm. you don't give him characterization other than that he is the villain um and then now, the villain- obviously
0: yeah <laughs> sorry this came from very much the whole sort of okay well actually let's turn this on its head because yeah. in the past we basically just had who's the villain we don't need to give them characterization we're just going to make them uh you know arabic or we're going to make them uh, gay or or we're going to make them Chinese. you know basically
1: you know the (laughs) one woman with some character is going to be the bad guy
0: yeah um and so i completely understand where the trend came from where someone went okay well actually let's turn this around um but the problem is that this is at the end of the day regardless of when it was done it's lazy storytelling yeah um it's bad it's not good at all (laughs) yeah
1: and then what seems to happen particularly now is the villain gets punished now we all like to see the villain get their comeuppance at some mm-hmm. point, you know <laughs> oh no, if it, were, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions as it were we all like that, that's satisfying Yeah. but this goes beyond that um, and the villain gets punished in ways that would be unconscionable for the good guys to do to someone else in another, in another setting but the yeah. underlying attitude here is it's okay, it's a brackets, white man Okay, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if we were going to, you know, if we're going to say women should not be fridged, so killed off, raped, murdered, abused without characterisation to provide man pain for a male protagonist, um, if we're going to object to the burial gaze trope, and I hope you do, we certainly do. Yeah. Um, then we really ought to be objecting to the "it's fine, he's just a white man, make him suffer" trope because I also think that's bad too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um now if you're not sure about this um there's a very simple test that you can do take your punished villain or antagonist and mentally change his gender sexuality or ethnicity um or or perhaps you might go okay now i'm gonna i'm going to make him disabled or anything like that basically just change something about him so that he isn't a white cis het middle class man yeah um middle class or upper class (laughs) i say upper class you know what i mean um yes (laughs) you know um uh, if you still feel comfortable about what you're doing and why you're doing it have at it if having your good guys level that amount of spite on a woman a gay man etc makes you uncomfortable then you might want to reconsider
1: yeah definitely Basically, it's are you punishing that character because your story demands it, in which case that's story first and Mm -hmm. it sucks to be your villain? (laughs) Um, Or are you doing it because this is you lashing out at an arbitrary figure you are probably incorrectly blaming for your problems or, you know, blame, you know, this... We we talked before about the norm and the set norm is still um, cis, white, heterosexual male of a certain background and level of wealth etc and yes that is something that needs to be changed and addressed because the number of people who actually meet that norm in real life is minuscule
0: yeah now (laughs) there has been this trope um, where basically we take people you know in reality um, from reality and we kind of put them into stories you know changing them a little bit Um, there was a movie recently oh for the love of god i cannot remember what it was um it was about these little toy robots um and they're basically meant to be sort of like little friends to to kids um and it was all about the dangers of social media and stuff like that and one of the robots go is malfunctioning um and the villain character in that i'm pretty sure is basically just meant to be uh, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> like, the whole look, the whole thing. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that the way that he was treated and his comeuppance and stuff like that um, was based on what he had done in the story, ultimately. Um, he deserved everything that happened to him. Uh, you know, he he did have it coming based on what he did, and it wouldn't have mattered who he was um you know regardless because of the character you know his dressing as it were didn't matter the fundamental actions that he took were the thing um now there have been cases where people have chosen right i'm going to choose a a white man here because i want to symbolize something in particular so pan's labyrinth for example you have is he the pale man
1: yes i believe so
0: yeah the pale man there's a very specific reason why he is he's he's a white man with this huge feast and that was obviously meant to be um you know that's raising an issue that's it's symbolic um there's nothing wrong with that but the fact of the matter is is that 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 thing is creepy regardless (laughs) yeah
1: absolutely it really is um and i I actually went pretty hard for this book as and I really enjoyed it and I still kind of like the book and that I recommended it and it's Hench by Natalie Zina mm-hmm. Um and I got Alan to read it as well and he really really enjoyed it right up until the end When, mm. I, and I thought he was right when he pointed it out to me I didn't necessarily see it to start with but after he, you know you have those shatterglass moments where you've really enjoyed something and you perhaps haven't picked up on something because it's not aimed at you, as in yeah. the, the insult is not aimed at you yeah. Um, um, but it was the the main antagonist. The way he gets his comeuppance. It, and yeah, okay, we we're, we're looking from the sort of villain's perspective here. Mm-hmm. So technically, the hero, the good guy, is the one who gets really punished. But it's just, it, he just basically gets twisted and turned into this cube of living meat. And that's not that's not an approximation of what happens that is genuinely what happens and it is a uh a maori woman doing it and various other women are joining in as well it's the fact that everybody doing this to this one white guy character mm-hmm. was from some sort of minority or something and i'm like actually when alan said hang on look at the level of spite being leveled here and now think about this and i thought my god if i changed the, that character's gender or ethnicity or something i'd be horrified so why is yeah. it okay and yeah yeah it was just that level of spite and, he, and he...
0: I, I think it's okay to actually do write horrifying things like you can have your characters doing things which are actually kind of despicable yeah. um you know uh that's okay but that's got to be a conscious choice
1: yeah, definitely. Well, I think this was a conscious choice, but it was very conscious in the sense of this person is standing in for the patriarchy TM and
0: yeah. this
1: is what we think of it. And I'm like, you do realise that some of your audience are white or at least white passing <laughs> hate the word passing, but for lack of better terminology, men yeah. who um who might read this sort of thing and why are you slapping them in the face? Why are you doing yeah. that? What What are you gaining out of that? Are you saying that, that your book's too good for them? What the fuck?
0: Yeah, so, um, and I, I think it's also the, you know, it's like if you don't agree with this, then you're part of the problem, you're wrong.
1: Oh god, yeah, you um, become a self-hating woman or a self-hating black person or something. It's yeah, like, no, and, I just have an opinion that differs from yours.
0: Yeah, and I, I completely, again, I understand why people might want to try and do things, and each to their own, really. Um, but you've also got to be able to kind of appreciate that some people might go actually this is this doesn't I don't feel like actually the heroes are in the right here I feel like the heroes have done something awful Um, and if that's kind of actually what you want to go for if you want to say actually the heroes are doing something really nasty because they feel like they've been driven to it but at the end of the day they then they're, they're doing something nasty and it's not actually um, you know forgivable or something like that then okay that's the story that you're writing but again it's got to be a conscious decision to basically say actually I've decided to create a story where the heroes are not actually being heroic they actually start they become very petty perhaps because they they've been driven to it and in that case what you're doing is you're actually writing about kind of the system um nothing wrong with that but again it's got to be a conscious decision
1: but it's also the one example issue like for yeah if this one character had been the only gay character in the entire book and someone treated them that way even Mm. if they were the villain well okay that's already a problem but you would you would already (laughs) you would you would be looking at it and saying no, this isn't right that book would have been shouted down so, you yeah. can't have it you can't have that on one side and then have yeah, but it's fine to do that if it's a bloke from the norm on the other
0: and have yeah. them as the
1: only example because people are individuals you cannot hate on in what well, you can but you shouldn't hate on an entire group of people just because of certain characteristics, yeah, that makes or you a perceived <laughs>
0: perceived character, <Yeah>. yes,
1: <laughs> so strangely enough, that makes you a bigger okay, let's look at some of the tropes because we've um. We've, yeah, we've kind of dug into as much as i think we can of the, the meat behind yeah. it all
0: okay yeah so let's look at some of the tropes that we we think are actually really kind of a little bit yeah. Um so the first one is the beefcake eye candy without characterization
1: yeah this is the male version of the sexy lamp yeah and you know we get it we get the uh, and actually to be fair to people who dedicatedly write romance now a lot of them give the male characters they might make them super hot but they give them characterizations so you know what Mm. i salute you guys but you see it in things like um reverse harem and paranormal romance and stuff and you see it in fantasy where it's kind of like oh well he's just the love interest ergo he'll be hot and not really have a character and it's like that's not okay we wouldn't think that was okay the other way around
0: yeah and it's kind of funny because sometimes um Okay, so I didn't actually watch it, so I can't really comment very much on it. Um, but the the all-females Ghostbusters.
1: I haven't seen it either.
0: <laughs> no, but they had, um, they had Chris Hemsworth. He was playing kind of the hot hunk who kind of works with them. And obviously, well, the point was that they were making a joke about the sexy lampshade character. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he did actually appear to have... A character onto himself yeah, um, he, stole he was a the bit show. A, yeah he was a bit of a goofball but he was actually you know he was actually a character um so that's not actually an example of the trope though it might be something that comes to mind uh, we are talking about people who they're literally just there to be the eye candy um they don't actually have anything to offer um beyond that uh and it's just lazy it's lazy. It's Sorry. lazy, and also,
1: can we acknowledge that you know, just as women come in many different shapes, sizes, and body types, so do men, and you know, there there shouldn't be a set standard that you absolutely have to hit if you're male, just as mm-hmm. there shouldn't be if you're female. I mean, give me give me my chubby, goofy guys as well, you yeah. know, or <laughs> 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 well, the, the the skinny ones who. Um, seem to have an encyclopedic knowledge of something very random
0: yeah and, yeah, and, and also company. I should point out that, that they can be the skinny ones who seem to have something random um, you know they don't then have to get fit like yeah. I do actually kind of like Captain America and I do like the fact that obviously Peggy Carter basically fell in love with this tiny <laughs> <laughs> you know, this little dweeb. She she fell in love with that Steve, and and I get also the fact that she was obviously very attracted to him um, after he had the serum. But the fact of the matter is, is that she kind of liked him before that. Um, and I I kind of like the you know the the what if story where actually you just see him um, yeah.
1: being. He doesn't yeah. get the serum. She does. He doesn't She's get the bite. serum. She. But they they still really like each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's really cool. Um yeah. Okay, I the next two kind of go together but it's this idea of the rich alpha male who must be very sexually active, sleeping with lots of women but never really forms a connection with any of them except our, the heroine, you know, mm. our gal Sal kind of thing for whom he will change his ways. Um I get that again this is kind of like a fantas the fantasy romance type thing. But yeah. I think we can still add a character in there. I think there's room for characterization.
0: Yeah. It, I think it's also the fact that it's it's always the case. It's like if he's rich, he's gonna be a player. Uh, you know, um he's gonna he's not gonna be able to connect with other people. Um he's also gonna have a terrible relationship with his parents and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just uh, I don't It's just a bit boring actually, to be honest at this point. <laughs>
1: It's like, it is a bit boring. I get that there's like people out there who want the billionaire romance thing. And okay, you're writing for a very specific audience there who want specific tropes. I do get and it.
0: That's fine. But it yeah.
1: does seem to creep into lots of other things. Well, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, he's rich. You'll never have to work again. And I'm like, okay, can we just take a look at the, you know, at the whole sort of feminist manifesto at the moment where women are supposed to be equal and they're completely capable of earning their own way, etc., and succeeding in any field and they should be paid as much as men and yet in all of these things where you've got this woman who no doubt will be presented as a feminist somehow she ends up with this billionaire and never works again and like if even if you don't need the money why would you not still work at something that you love doing or find something you love doing
0: yeah and i do love it as well again i sorry i i didn't mean i love it i mean i do understand it Um, because I think it's also, you know, particularly if you, let's say, and Jules gave this example before, you know, you're, you're there, you're doing the housework and you suddenly think, wouldn't it be nice if I never had to, you know, I didn't have to worry about cooking, if I didn't have to worry about cleaning, if I didn't have to worry about work, I could just actually focus on doing my art or I could just focus on doing my writing, I could just focus on, uh, you know, XYZ. Um, I totally get that. I, I totally understand that fantasy. Um, but, so this is actually, okay, um, this is one of those things which was eye opening for me in terms of A Court of Thorns and Roses, and I am sorry to bring it up, um, which I didn't realise until someone pointed out, and I suddenly went, oh god, actually, yeah. Um, which is that obviously you have Reese, and he, um, everything that Feyre has, in terms of her position, in terms of the money that she has, in terms of basically everything, all comes from him. Yeah, he's the one who makes her the the high high lady. He's the one, um, you know, he's he's supposed to be, you know, more powerful than her, than her, or maybe they're about equal amounts. But he is the one who is in charge. He's older than her. He it's all his money. Um, he's the one who employs her um and again it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing within the context of the story but if you look at the trope itself you're basically actually saying she doesn't really earn anything that she has fr- you know within that book everything that she has she gets from him she's reliant on him yeah um which is in some respects interesting when you compare it to the first book where yes um you know everything she you know tamlin was obviously giving her a lot of things but she had a greater sense of agency still with that in that regard whereas in the second and the third she doesn't she's kind of lost it everything is because everything has been given by him yeah um and okay again i'm not actually gonna hit on the book itself i'm looking at 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 the situation at the example of that um where i don't know it just s- starts to kind of get a little bit meh.
1: i think it's um, the pro- the problem is the expectation that the man will provide everything
0: yeah and um, we don't live
1: in that world anymore really we and do, we shouldn't we
0: don't no um in that yeah it shouldn't be an equal thing um or that the idea that the man is the one who should
1: be earning more or who you know, you go out on a date and he's the one who must pay. Yeah. I realise that there's this this varies. There are different schools of thought and social convention and actually when I've gone out on it, the very few dates I actually managed to go out on, um, where I have tried to pay my way or even pay for dinner or whatever, I've quite vehemently been shouted down by the man. But I wanna say that, you know, that should be something that you offer. But it shouldn't be an expectation.
0: Yeah. Um, And everyone is going to have a sort of a different way of doing it. Um, You might go half and half on the night, or you might go, okay, you get this one, I'll get the next one, or something like that. Or maybe it's, I'm going to take you out next time. Um, You know, the idea that everything should be catered towards the woman, uh, but the man is the one who should be providing it and then catering it. It's the same thing. um, So, (laughs) okay, So, so I recently got engaged. Yay! Um, <laughs> um, and one of the things uh, I sort of think about in terms of wedding is this whole idea of like it's her day. It's her. No, it's not. It's it's the couple's day. It's not all about just the bride. You know. Um, it's it, it, you. You. If the if the groom wants something, that it also needs to be considered. It's it's a day to celebrate both people who are getting married or as many people etc who are getting married you know what i mean (laughs)
1: yeah absolutely (laughs) okay um other tropes that uh, we'll go through these ones quite quickly because there's some very sexist ones at the end that we probably need to address a bit more thoroughly but yeah um, the idea that a male character cannot be a carer a caretaker a single dad so you know he cannot be caring for his disabled mother for example or um he cannot be it, you know, looking after a small child or something
0: yeah particularly I think whenever it's sometimes you do get the, the whole sort of oh the tragic dad the wife has died and he's taking care of his, of his kid um, and that, I think that can be quite popular in terms of sort of romance and stuff like that um, but there is this weird thing particularly when it comes to he's taking care of his mother or something like that where there's this kind of oh he's close to his mother
1: yeah it's oh. clearly um, a serial killer yeah
0: yeah. it's it, clearly a serial killer or he's clearly you know gay or something like that um, which okay maybe he might be but it, it's the fact it's the assumption that people can't be close or, or can't that men can't be carers um, and that if they are that it's a burden to them
1: you know yeah. rather
0: than actually this is something that I'm very happy to do something that I'm very willing to do. It's like you they know?
1: can't be a nurturing person in their own right yeah. Well. all all that
0: they all that they
1: have somehow been
0: you know um it, it's you sometimes see the dynamic where he's the stay-at-home father and he's taking care of his um you know his children or stuff like that and then you have the business mother and it's like oh well who's wearing the trousers in that relationship like wh- what no put that away there's 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 no need for that you know
1: <laughs> yeah i'm try okay you won't remember this because this was on tv before you were born but uh, I'm trying to remember, it was a show that I quite liked. It was a typical typical um, British sitcom type scenario. And at the time, it was actually quite edgy. But the woman, she was, uh, I think she was either, she was divorced or something. She was making quite a lot of money and she had two kids. And she needed to employ a housekeeper. And the only person she could get was a man with a daughter of his own. Mm-hmm. So he moved in as the live-in housekeeper, and yet yeah, obviously later on you get this sort of romance developing between them. But the focus yeah. was on the fact that this was completely turning society on its head as it was in sort of the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, um, I remember it being quite fun. It probably hasn't stood the test of time, and I can't remember what it's called right now. But, <laughs> but that was actually quite an edgy thing to do at the time. Um, it wouldn't be edgy now, at least I hope yeah. it wouldn't. Uh, okay. and, and it's like
0: Mrs. Doubtfire as well, which obviously does have its own issues. Uh, yes.
1: <laughs> but, you know, yeah, um, an interesting but the, one. But again, that does ad- address quite a lot of um, sexism against men in there as well, which is, yeah. is you know, it, it's not a worthless film um, on that basis. Okay, or the a worthless villain... book. <laughs> yeah. I've never read the book, actually. Um, the villain without characterisation or given you know he's nominally a rapist as his characterization i think that's very sexist to men
0: i think it is as well um again and i've talked about this as example before one of my favorite examples of a villain who manages to kind of be villainous without falling into this is kingpin in the yeah. daredevil series yeah he's really good um, yeah who had a great sense of characterization and they didn't basically go he's a villain therefore he's violent to all women and stuff like that no he actually had incredible respect for women um but he was you know he would just crush his enemies and he had a terrible temper and stuff like that but he had this whole characterization at the same time you understood why someone fell in love with him you know his whole relationship with vanessa it it wasn't a you know uh why why is this happened you understood why that uh,
1: you know he wanted a relationship of intimacy and respect and equality which was really interesting
0: yeah um you know so he was a very interesting character um who did terrible things so i thought he was a great great villain but so often it is just okay. Well, we're just gonna, kinda <laughs> tick these
1: boxes. We, we need um, shorthand for this is a bad guy, so we'll make him a rapist. Like
0: right? yeah, or, or or if it or if it's you know it might just be okay. Well, we'll make him kick the dog, as it were. Yeah. Um. We'll we'll make them randomly commit acts of cruelty without obvious intention. And okay, if you're writing a psychopath who's clearly actually getting enjoyment out of it, fine. Um but again you've kind of got to think about it and i do think it is a bit of an issue where they just basically go actually we've kind of just got this man and because he's a man and we want to show that he's bad we're going to have him doing these things instead of saying actually okay now why is he doing these things what's the character behind this
1: yeah definitely okay so um a society or organization perhaps magic wielding perhaps special skilled which Mm -hmm. only accepts women Um, To be honest, there's plenty of examples in fiction of societies that only accept men. And they're usually challenged. Usually part of the story is women getting in there somewhere. Um, Yeah, uh, Basically, if you've got anything where you say only one biological sex, only one gender can join, then you've already got issues. Unless what you're trying to say is, it's set up this way because these people think like this. So for example, the Bene Gesserit, who I really do actually like as an organisation, in Frank Herbert's Dune series, um, he's at no point that th- they are basically space eugenicists, so yeah. it's like at no point is Frank Herbert saying, Yes, and this is the way to run the railroad, <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's not saying this is a good thing, it's clearly not a good thing, and when they make mistakes, by God, do they really fuck up, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, um. Now, what you could have is you could have like an organisation which basically says actually you need to have X Y Z. So, for example, it could say you could say we need an organisation, but to be part of this organisation, you need to have given birth, or something like that. Um, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that <laughs> it it excludes um, genders because obviously you can have men who um, who do give birth, um, etc. But um, if you're writing a society where there aren't a lot of trans people, or trans people um, cannot be in the open, or, or not acceptable, or things like that, you might end up with that kind of organisation as part of the fantasy or the magic group that you're writing. Um, you might also then basically say, actually, we have these two gendered ones because we've got uh, the male, the, sort of the male wizards, uh, the. the and the the female wizards uh because they go to two separate schools the girls are sent to one school the boys are sent to another school so their society their kind of little circles which are based on that you could have something like that yeah um but again you kind of got to ask why are you are doing that um uh if it's just part of the world building uh, fine but again things have got to be done with intention
1: yeah it's what you're trying to say really isn't it yeah um We've talked about this next trope at length, but I'm just going to briefly mention it, and that is the male character who loses all personality in, in a relationship with the heroine um, yeah again, I think that's kind of sexist that's if we If we said this was a male led um book and the female character had plenty of character there's a this whole thing where they get together, and then she loses all her personality that's yeah an issue that is an issue, so why wouldn't it be an issue the other way around?
0: Yeah, when it's this idea that somehow um, they are just part of a unit, they're not an individual. Yeah. Um, And therefore, I don't know, that that makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Um, And you do see it a lot in kind of certain um, romance and things like that. where it's it's like you're not actually writing a romance you're writing a a sort of a female fantasy where basically all the whims are being kind of ticked and you don't actually have to worry about (laughs) any other personality in the relationship yeah
1: and that does does really bug me i think that's partly why a lot of romance just passes me by and doesn't hook me and why when a romance does well it's because they've kept characterization for everybody everybody has their own it's why i kept coming back to outlander even though i really dislike some of the stuff outlander's done yeah is the fact that no matter what the characters are definitely there Mm. um i have to say look if you are writing um something where you've got two characters who have finally got together for example and you now need to look at how they're together as how how their characters are shaped by being in a relationship together then yes it can be very easy to forget to give one of them other stuff to do which is why the editing process exists so that you go back and add those things in that you forgot to put there for example yeah
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's it's very sexist against men in the same way that if you reverse it it's very sexist against women Um, but I also think it's detrimental because even if you say okay but only women are really going to be largely reading my novels. Um don't count actually on you don't, don't count yeah, on that. First of all, don't count on that. Second of all, um you're actually not you're delivering a fantasy and as long as people understand that's a fantasy, fine. Um but at the same time you're also actually giving unhealthy expectations in terms of what relationships should look like with to 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 other women. Um and And in doing so, actually, um, also kind of robbing them of the opportunity to consider, you know, problem solving abilities, basically saying, well, my relationship isn't like that, therefore something is wrong, Um, rather than saying, actually, hold on a second, obviously my relationship isn't like that because this other person
1: doesn't have a a personality. (laughs) Yeah, they're just an accessory okay the next couple are all ones that are are really really bad so yeah um basically when you have a male character who has no meaningful relationships or friendships and the reason this is an issue is because i mean yeah obviously you've got character journey etc um maybe you've got a lone ranger type character where he is just going from place to place solving problems or is that the littlest hobo anyway (laughs) um the problem when he doesn't form any meaningful relationships or doesn't have a past with any friendships that have survived is you're glorifying this idea of male independence over everything and the idea that male isolation and, you know, (laughs) newsflash here, guys, men get lonely, men need other people around, men are human beings and human beings Mm. need each other. Yeah. um, That somehow that is de rigueur and it's something to actually be embraced Um, when in fact that's a very very damaging telling one biological sex that they should be able to function entirely alone is a terrible message to put out there it is
0: um one thing we need to remember of course is that the suicide rates in young men are incredibly high yeah very very high um and uh the other difficulty is that um once more this is something which kind of actually affects other people as well, women as well, um, other genders as well. When you have basically a man who has basically been told that he cannot be, um, he cannot form close relationships. He cannot be open with people. He's not allowed to kind of have a close relationship with his, with his parents, with his, uh, you know, because otherwise he's a psychopath. Um, He's, he can't really have meaningful relationships with his friends because otherwise that's weird. Um, the only person he might be allowed to be vulnerable with is his partner and the real problem with this is that we actually get examples of this where um, and I'm just going to use a woman for the time being but you have a man and a woman and she is the one who's taking his entire emotional load Yeah, he has nowhere else to kind of put it that is not healthy. It's not a healthy dynamic for a relationship. It's not healthy for her. It's not healthy for him because for the most part, women will tend to have a support system of other friends, a support system with their, with their parents, with their mothers, um, etc. Uh, you know, they will be able to kind of spread the load a little bit if they're going through things. They'll also be able to, it also means that there's no one person who, is, who they're relying on for their entire emotional health support. Um, and the other thing is this idea that men, therefore, can't do things like go to therapy. Um, you know, that they're, they're not allowed to be in touch with their vulnerable sides. They're not allowed to be... And it's not about saying, oh, men should just all have a good cry. Um, that's a massive simplification of an issue. It's not about saying, oh, men should just cry more. Um, it's actually about saying men should have the safe space to be able to express their more vulnerable sides Um, and vulnerable sides can actually also be the happy sides as well so they should have a safe space where they're able to talk with their friends where they don't have to be isolated uh, where they can confide in things without it being kind of treated as weird you know
1: yeah absolutely Um, so that is (laughs) I mean I know that you get characters like Jack Reacher and the character out of the kill list and you know Mm. those can be fun sort of shows and books etc but the reality is that you don't want to you don't want that character to turn up in in every everything that isn't a thriller as well you don't want that character to be um, the the lead in a fantasy he he needs to be making connections with other people Um, this kind of connects with the next point which is that fathers are always distant or judgmental and they're not allowed to change I hate it when we've got a main character who is not allowed to connect with his kids when i went to see the cursed child i hated the fact that harry had difficulty with his son yeah that um, really really upset me i could understand it into the narrative terms of the story but i hated it
0: yeah i completely agree and i think it you know it's an interesting thing um because obviously it is something that can happen yeah um Obviously, this is not the same, but I do remember watching Brave and really, really enjoying it because it it basically actually said, here we have a situation where we've got a mother and a daughter who do love each other very much, but are actually kind of missing each other a little bit. They don't
1: understand each other at all. They don't
0: understand each other at all. And it was actually about kind of compromising a tiny bit and sort of seeing where, you know and and ultimately it wasn't merida who was necessarily in the wrong she made a terrible decision but ultimately it was eleanor who kind of actually needed to let go of her her expectations of her daughter yeah. um and which i think was fantastic that was really beautifully done it really really touched me and i think that you can have that narrative there's a film with colin firth called and when did you last see your father yeah which is all about this this guy who um And again, it's based on this generation where actually, uh, you know, men weren't particularly necessarily going to be very close to their kids because there was this kind of this distance. So we're talking about the 1950s, you know, as it were. Um, Again, generalisation, but it was that kind of thing where this guy discovers that his, his father has died and he goes back home and he's unpicking his very complicated relationship with his father um and kind of coming to terms with his grief because he wasn't actually very close with his father he had a lot of difficulties with his father but throughout it all he remembers the good parts and the bad parts um and there's this incredibly emotional moment where he has this one simple memory where they changed the lights in this large i think it was a, it's a kind of chandelier and it was a big undertaking and they manage to change the lights after ages and they turn on the lights and they both just stand there together and look at it Yeah. Um, and it's this kind of this moment of union and then the father just goes right well and um, the the kind of the film ends where suddenly you know he's suddenly thinking when was the last time I actually really saw my father
1: um, yeah.
0: and he has that moment and he, and he cries at that point and it's a very good movie, I really highly recommend it. And this was a case of a relationship which shows that it was a difficult relationship, but it was still a relationship with two people, two men who, who did love each other, um. but both of them were a little bit difficult in their own ways. um. And I thought that that was a fantastic narrative. So you can do it, you can do it very well. um. But the assumption is the dangerous part Um, And I am, to be honest, a little bit kind of sick of seeing narratives where you can't see fathers who are supportive of their children,
1: who get on with their children. Or who work Um, to make things better.
0: Yeah, um, or, you know, who sometimes do make mistakes, but then actually kind of improve things. um, Or that fathers are inherently distant. Um, I know from my perspective, because... I'm very close to my dad. We share a lot of things we We travel together, you know, we do music together, things like that um We have a friendship as well as you know a familial relationship yeah um and so it kind of really makes me sad and The thing is that he's also very close with my brother as well, and so it kind of makes me sad when I kind of look at these narratives where it's like, well, no sons and fathers will always have will always have you know
1: a complicated relationship somewhere will they is that a given does it have to be that way and i think that's the other thing i mean i recently alan and i watched a film from the early 90s featuring a 14 year old natalie portman called Mm -hmm. leon i don't know if you've seen it no but it's basically a really it's a, sort of an, it looks at an adult child relationship as in t- terms of one being a parent and friend and the other being a child and kind of friend. Um, Leon yeah. is actually a, a French guy living in the USA and he's working as a hitman. Right. <laughs> but he lives just down um, the corridor from Natalie Portman who has a, a younger brother and a younger sister, no, an older sister and a younger brother. Um and her stepfather is abusive, as in he knocks her about. Right. Um, and he's obviously not interfered, but her stepfather's into some bad shit with some drug lords as well. So when her entire family gets kind of wiped out, he ends up inadvertently sort of taking uh, Natalie Fortman's character in. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's all sorts of stuff going on there. as in, in She's actually playing a sort of 12 to 13-year-old girl and she, yeah. she mucks around with things she doesn't really understand, like they end up having to move hotels once because she wants to prove that she can be an assassin so she lets off a gun <laughs> inside the flat so that's it, you then see them walking down the street and she's carrying the plant, the plant has been Leon's only companion up until this point and he's having <laughs> to work with this, this really rambunctious child, and then they're staying in a hotel and he's off doing his assassining type stuff, mm-hmm. and she's pretending to be a a girl who's going off to juilliard etc and she gets bored at being left at home so when she goes down to the counter they're like oh how is your father and she's like he's not my father he's my lover and of course they get thrown out and there's nothing like that going on at all and she doesn't really want that either what she really wants is a parental figure she wants um someone who cares about her that she can have a claim on and he yeah. never acts that way with her in fact, he kind of rediscovers part of his own childhood by being there for her, and in the end, he abs- he actually sort of dies for her. Um, it's a really really good film, but I think it highlights the fact that even though there's no biological link between these two, you've got this older male character basically acting as a father and older brother for this this kid. Yeah,
0: that's that's actually really and and the fact <laughs> it's that,
1: kind of touching <laughs> and the fact that even though she's kind of she's she's working her way through the the female puberty thing where, you know, it's starting to look like a woman, but there's an absolute psychopath driving that machine kind of yeah. thing, where she's like, no, you don't understand, I've fallen in love with you. And he's like, ugh, shut up and drink your milk. It, it shows that not not every man is going to turn around and go, oh, yeah, okay, then that's fair game, which is another yeah. thing that we constantly get told.
0: Yeah. And that's... Um... <sighs> Yeah, again and this is an example of kind of the laziness. Um I I watched uh, a series recently. Um and now I'm being foolish and cannot remember the name. Um it was basically uh, it's a it's a it's a Japanese anime. Yeah. Um, and it's basically about Uh, a sweet shop but like Japanese sweets it's kind of like a cafe where they make these Japanese sweets Um, and um, the story is that basically this guy um, his family makes them he's really passionate about them but he didn't think he was cut out for it so he left Um, and uh, this young girl kind of gets left with the family um to kind of just sort of take over um sorry take over um she's a she's a young girl she's been left with with this cafe and they've basically kind of adopted her and she wants to take over the cafe one day um because she really is interested in sweets and stuff like that um and the the actual son comes back he's about 30 she's kind of in her um sort of I think she's about 12 or something like that. And they develop this kind of this father-daughter relationship where, um, right from the beginning his mother's like oh perhaps you know you can be like a father to her because we're like her grandparents yeah um and he really takes this to heart and he really actually wants to develop this kind of this father-daughter relationship with her and it's actually really sweet because he's just actually really invested in being kind of like a father figure for her because her own father abandoned her um and it's it's actually really really nice um and it is called uh that's it it's called de uh de de uh d e a i m o n um it's really well worth watching it's very sweet um literally very sweet
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay right we've got just a couple more really the really bad tropes um yeah men are presented as always being either winners or losers
0: oh, i hate that
1: yeah it, and it's again what you've got to say is if we turned this over and said this is women women are all winners or losers they're, they're all shrews or they're lovely housewives or something yeah um, any anything where you impose a, a false binary a false dichotomy
0: or a competition of some kind.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, obviously there's healthy competition, but the whole yeah. sort of like, no, if you were a a, a short, pudgy guy um, who's into maths or whatever, then you're never going to get the girl. It's always going to be the suave billionaire who can be the who's handsome and is very personable at parties and things. The whole winners-losers thing, the whole alphas, betas and omegas, and I just think it's it's such bollocks. Yeah and perhaps we should stop perpetrating that if we possibly can because there are men who actually believe this is a thing and it's in real life it's not really
0: no it really really isn't um it's people are not in a race okay um (laughs) that's not how that works um and there's also this idea that therefore because what happens is sometimes you get like the sort of the winner and the loser as it were Um, and then there's the winning girl and there's the loser girl and the loser girl and the loser boy get together and the winning girl and the winning boy get together and it's like everyone in their place and I'm like "Mm, why have we done that? Why are we kind of just instead of saying actually people are individuals and they're all attracted to individual (laughs) things and okay, alright I'm just going to put that away
1: (laughs) Um, The next one is one that obviously has always really bugged me and I've actually addressed it a little bit, I think, in some of my books, but it's the yeah. idea that male consent for sex is disregarded because all men want sex all the time, assuming the girl is fairly attractive, Yeah, um, and also that sex under false pretenses is, is fine as well. It's kind of titillating. Um, I hate all of that. Yeah. So, for an example, um, a situation where you've got a male character in fantasy or sci-fi and he's tied up or whatever, but he should. The female guard sort of says, "Well, I'll let you go if kind of thing," and I'm yeah. like, "If that was the other way around, then that would be considered coercion at best. It's yeah. it's definitely rape ad- adjacent Jason." Um,
0: it's it's also often played off as humor, um, like there's this oh god,
1: it's the things I do for my country kind of thing.
0: Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> so it makes me think of Raico at that time where everyone thinks he's an alien. Um, where he is technically an alien on that planet. (laughs) You've just got the woman who's really attracted to him and Riker's like, ugh.
1: Not again. Uh, Not again.
0: Um, But, um, no, there is a... Um, There is... I can't remember what it's called. Um, It's Owen Wilson. Um, It's basically uh, Wedding crashes or something like that. Um, That's it. Where you've got this one this one guy who ends up being tied to the bed um and he's basically kind of being molested by the son of the family that he's with both are adults i should say um but it's kind of played off it's it's all meant to be for comedy yeah. you know um and actually i'm looking at this thing this is really uncomfortable and if at any point the 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 guy was actually a girl and tied to a bed and the son was doing that everyone would say that's not funny at all that's horrifically creepy so why are we playing it off like it's funny because it's a guy yeah uh because inherently that he he's either into this or it's just actually funny because it's a little bit uncomfortable for him like no that's that's just flat out terrifying um and really uncomfortable
1: <laughs> yeah it is basically if someone can't give consent then it's rape. um so there's that um, yeah the, there's something that bugs me about season four of buffy there's the thing where faith and buffy swap bodies because faith engineers it and yeah. you know buffy and faith's body is being sent off to prison or to the watchers council and Fe- uh, faith is wandering around in buffy's body and um, faith being really fucked up at the time is off to sleep with riley buffy's boyfriend and it's the whole she sleeps with him and he he knows there's something not quite right but it's kind of like this is buffy i'm in love with her blah blah, blah. doesn't understand that obviously body swaps can happen which is kind of an issue and yeah. then later the focus is on the fact that riley kind of cheated on buffy even though it wasn't really his fault rather than faith technically raped him yeah it's never addressed
0: yeah, um, and that's that's been done in other times. There's a case with the Teen Titans, uh, I believe where um, Nightwing, so uh, yeah, so Nightwing apparently um, is in a relationship I think with Starfire and then someone else makes themselves look like Starfire using illusions or shape-shifting or something like that. He sleeps with them and then gets and then the blame is put on him yeah rather than saying hold on a second that's assault right there that was rape um similarly we you got it in uh jane the virgin where uh it's a it's obviously it's a telenovela um where one of the twins uh basically there's a there's a set of twins um and uh one of the characters was was previously married to one of the twins and they hook up together, except the other twin has basically taken Petra's place instead.
1: Yeah uh, I mean, and happens. they sleep
0: together and, and I'm like, that's that's assault, that's rape. He they you know, when he was consenting to have sex, he was consenting to have sex with somebody else, not with this person. Yeah. Um, so and it's kind of and it's never addressed as that's really messed up.
1: Yeah, it it is an issue. I think it's Angela Carter's Wise Children where the two the twins swap because it's their birthday and the twin who isn't dating the bloke in question wants to sleep with him, so they arrange it between themselves. And it's kind of portrayed as kind of like a sisterly present type thing. I'm like, we're not really addressing the bloke in this situation, and that's kind of presupposing that men just want sex they don't want intimacy with a specific person that they're kind of up for it all the time and that there's a whole range of stuff in there and yeah i'm sure there are men like that who wouldn't actually care who wouldn't notice and there are definitely men out there who don't notice that their their partner is not having a good time or whatever and aren't asking questions um but that doesn't mean that there are men who are kind of like no i need the other person to be having a good time I don't want to just yeah. take stuff um, I, I actually want to be with a specific person it's not a case of any hole as a goal kind of thing Yeah. so yeah I Absolutely. think this, this is one where it's like you can't really make an excuse for this unless you're exploring the issue and saying there's a problem with it also yeah. I would also like to see more instances of hey I kind of want to do you want to scenarios it doesn't have to be unsexy as well either um, where I mean, okay. In a, in a in a recent Harker and Blackthorn thing, I do have Amy ask Steve. It's like, is this actually what you want to do? And I don't see why yeah. it can't be that way around as well. Rather, than the onus always being on the man to get consent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the thing is that um, there are the amount of stories I've seen basically where uh, you know people just talking about how guys have just kind of got on with it, and and their girlfriends have said, "Actually, do you want this?" And they went. I guess actually not i was just going through the motions because i was kind of expected to kind of go through the motions yeah um that is just yeah Uh, and again it's also this idea of like if you can (laughs) the myth that if a guy can get an erection he's actually up for sex um not necessarily actually no bodies
1: react Um, how they're supposed to react
0: exactly um you know the they might actually even if they you know physically are in the mood they might not be emotionally in the mood um or any other number of reasons why um so uh, yeah we've kind of got to stop these sort of myths um and i think one of the big things is that particularly for you know sort of teenagers who are starting to kind of get sexually active and stuff like that um, if this is what they're presented with in terms of a narrative that is what if that's what they've kind of been told to expect if that's what's literally in every single kind of TV show they've watched and all of the books that they've read and stuff like that that's not going to create a very healthy or happy dynamic between two people necessarily
1: no definitely not Um, the final really really bad one is that men with supposedly more feminine or less masculine traits are demonized or mocked so whether regardless of a character's sexuality or culture or anything like that uh, mm-hmm. men who like to, to who actually don't want to get in there with their fists and have a brawl with somebody or men who um, like to speak in a certain way or dress in a dapper banner or whatever um, sort of mocking or demonizing them for not being real men I think mm. is um, something that could with going the way of the dodo as yeah. well
0: there was actually an ad which I saw recently um, for these t-shirts for uh, men's t-shirts which are actually being cut to sort of actually suit men's shape rather than just kind of being squares yeah. essentially um, and I thought this is a cool idea it's basically saying actually you know sometimes men want to actually look good and they want to feel good um, and it's nice to have t-shirts which fit them and suit them great all for that but one of the ads was basically that you have a you have a bunch of guys they're all talking and one of the guys is larger than the others and he's talking you know to their friends he says oh you know these t you know i, I don't look good and they said it's because you're not wearing the right t-shirt um you know said so look and the, the other friend goes look at mick or whatever his name is um and uh, and the fat guy's like okay but mick has got abs and biceps and stuff like that so of course that shirt looks good on him and they're like oh but still you know it'll look good on you you know it just isn't enhancing your best features and he goes okay well what are my best features and then there's this awkward pause <laughs> and one of them just goes you're a great father and he goes yeah I am a great father Um, and I thought okay alright I guess that could sort of work except at that moment exactly they have the pram in the background just sort of shooting off veering off into the road Uh. so he's he's not a great father and i was like actually that really (laughs) really sucks and i get they're kind of making it jokey you know it's like the guys can't find good features about their friend or something like that okay all right fine but he could have actually been a great father that would have actually kind of been nice but at the same time it was just a little bit sort of saying actually well done for essentially saying if you're fat you can wear our t-shirts but you know we can't really enhance you because your best you don't have any good features you know what i mean i yeah. just that actually doesn't seem to be a very good ad for anyone who doesn't have abs for anyone who who is you know a little bit plump or fat or or whatever um he's just played off as a complete idiot the entire time.
1: It's quite tired isn't it?
0: It is, it is a bit tired and I was like, oh, I kind of actually feel a bit kind of bummed out
1: (laughs) Yeah So, anyway, this has turned into quite a long episode because we obviously had a lot to say Um, but basically, certainly trope-wise and actually in real life these things Mm -hmm. are all fixable problems but we do need to be aware of them I think we need to be having conversations about them
0: I agree um, I think that by addressing what's real and what isn't and by and actually considering the intentions behind our choices whenever we're writing, we can make a huge difference. And again, if you decide to do something bec- and you have a reason for doing it, whatever that reason may be, then you're doing something with intention. Um, The important thing is to say, actually, why have I decided to do this? What am I actually saying with this? Um, And what could be some of the effects of what I'm saying? Um, How can I counter those effects, etc.? Ultimately, if you're writing something, it is your story. It is you're the one who's going to decide how it turns out. We're not telling you how to do it one way or another. But consciousness and intention really, really do matter.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think it's worth mentioning also that men often get mocked for reading books considered for women uh, Mm -hmm. often by other men but sometimes by women as well Um, but you might be writing for a male audience as well as a female one you might never know Um, I had fan mail recently and one of the things the chap who was writing to me said was that he really loved urban fantasy but he actually preferred urban fantasy written by women and the surprising thing about this was he liked to insert himself into sort of the male character's point of view. Mm. And bearing in mind, most urban fantasy written by women is, uh, you know, a female protagonist, generally. I mean, this that's yeah. a sweeping statement, but generally, for most of it. Um, yeah. So he was kind of like, yeah, I I like to read it, it's escapism, and I like to play the sidekick, kind of thing. Yeah. Or the, the love interest in that scenario
0: yeah it's also this idea and obviously you do get this a little bit with adult women but um adult men are kind of looked down on if they read children's books or things like that yeah you know if if you see an adult man reading YA for example um unless it happens to be very very popular YA people they get really looked down on um I I can't remember I think maybe it's Ricky Gervais or or someone else who basically went on this whole tirade about the fact that he'd never read Harry Potter um you know this was a few years ago and i just remember going okay well you says no oh, but i have read all these classics and i'm like that's good for you um but let's stop putting this kind of this notion out that reading children's books as a man or reading ya as a man is either that you're some kind of predator of some kind um or that you are immature stupid um that you lack intelligence that you're a loser etc rather than saying actually sometimes people just really like good books and sometimes people want to maintain the sense of wonder or the stories or things like that um, that go with it Uh, and here this may shock people but all adults were once children So, you know, like, if I read YA now, some of the things may not apply to me, but I can still remember what it was like to be a teenager. I can still remember going, oh, yeah, I remember, oh, if I was in this situation, this would, you know, etc. Or if I'm a child, I can go, hey, I remember being 12 years old and wanting to go off, you know, into magic land, etc. First of all, it's disrespectful to the books themselves uh, by basically saying, no, that they cannot be enjoyed or universal some of them are obviously going to be you know for certain age groups and adhere to that and i don't agree with people going well it was childish um if you've read a children's book and it was childish then well done um they've succeeded uh but i just really really hate this notion that men can't be allowed to enjoy things which are not you know hyper aggressive or have been completely and utterly marketed towards them and how do we market things there's the it's the famous i think it's a vine where it's like a um here we have the women's products for like shampoo and stuff like that and here's the men's in darker colors because men don't like colors (laughs) and that's always the case (laughs) if you go into any shops and it's like the men's stuff is all in dark bottles (laughs) it's like black dark blue gray because heaven
1: forbid (laughs) Let's shroud the fact that they actually like, you know, personal grooming as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's like, we've got to make it masculine. And masculine means no, you can can only be very bold colours or it can only be very dark colours. And it's like, no, no, no pastels for you, men. (laughs) No pastels for you.
1: I mean, and the reverse is also very funny in my perspective. Because if it was my choice, I would gravitate towards the dark colours. But I know they're not for me.
0: Ah, see yep. the thing is like i i pretty much use almost exclusively men's toiletries
1: yeah
0: so. like <laughs> except for the shampoo which is i mean i think the shampoo i use is just fairly universal but i'm i'm just they like yep i'm just gonna grab this i like this scent i like the <laughs> it works for me i'm just gonna use these
1: so, uh... and they
0: tend to be cheaper too uh but anyway
1: um but yeah, th- basically the there body. are men out there who like paranormal romance and romance and urban fantasy and, you know, I know there are still lots of men out there who are kind of like, I can't read anything written by a woman author because my head will explode. Um, but I think yeah. they're fewer than we believe they are. Um, yeah, actually, I secretly, agree. I mean, you know, if you've got one person who's admitted, I like reading this even though I know it's not really for me. And I'm like, I wonder how many others are out there reading stuff that isn't supposed to be for them, and really loving it. I bet there's loads.
0: Yeah, and this also kind of also plays it plays into the matter of of writing as well. There have been people with John Green, for example, who kind of brought into question. They said, "Oh, it's creepy that he's writing for, you know, for teenage girls or something like that," um, and accusing him therefore of some very unpleasant things, which is awful um really really terrible because first of all it takes away from a real valid issue of things that actually really do happen to people um and again it paints this idea that a man of a certain age must be a predator um if he is engaging with anything that's to do with another gender to him or another age age group to him rather than being a father rather than being just a normal person a, a a you know of any kind um, or someone who just happens to like stories in uh, you know within that genre etc it's we've got to we've got to let that go we have got to stop assuming that men are inherently violent or predators
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: okay so um, have we accidentally used any of these own tropes in our work do you think
1: um I (laughs) I I kind of did a little bit with I Belong to the Earth because the father is very distant and I don't really explore in that book why he's very distant other than the fact that he's lost his wife. But Mm. in later books, you realise that actually he's got PTSD because he's recently come back from Kuwait and there was a friendly fire incident, etc. So he's traumatised and you also see him connecting with his children and trying to build relationships with them. Yeah. on his own terms um the other one i would say that i would actually kind of accuse myself a little bit of is with um i am the silence you have reese who is the antagonist in that book and yeah. he he has this mental domination ability as his part of the, the touch if you like and yeah. he does use it on one occasion to force a woman to sleep with him but Again, I think I gave him more characterization than just he's a sexual predator. I think it's kind of like he got off on the control in any situation,
0: yeah, and to be honest, I think the fact of the matter is is that it's not like he was the only you know male character in the story, no either story. um I do feel that he did have his character on onto it onto himself you know i don't I don't mind a character being evil, a male character being evil. Um because as the series has demonstrated, and within that story, you also have a very you have a villainous female character as well, yeah, um and etc So um, I wouldn't say either of those examples um really, really kind of play into that because I do think at the end of the day the characters have nuance. Um, I've got to consider whether there are some aspects of that in the sons of thestian um with or rather with de Guiles, obviously as a character though again as a character he
1: just he's a broad sadist though he is he is
0: he's a he is a sadist and that is kind of he he's essentially a hunter He's kind of like a a living evil cat, as it were. He does. He
1: just really enjoys. (laughs) I think the thing is, he also thinks of himself as a scientist. He's conducting experiments for knowledge, etc., as well. Yeah. So it's very, it's it's very much not just a case of yeah, I just get my kicks doing this.
0: Yeah, Um, it is. He is ultimately about controlling people. Um, He he loves the idea of breaking someone down until they're basically completely in his control. Yeah. He loves the whole the whole process of it he really does enjoy it um and that's just who he is as a person um but i think that there are enough characters within the story that you don't necessarily you know i think the other one is and this is a character you haven't met is that obviously zachary has a very bad relationship with his father yeah who in turn had a very bad relationship with his father um but that is i think so i could i could accuse myself of it a little bit there though obviously one of the things i really wanted was that rufus would have a very good relationship with his father which is obviously complicated by several things but he does have a very good relationship with in fact his he's father. not
1: technically his father but you know,
0: all that <laughs> well, aside no, uh, he is no he is technically his father but um but yeah in, in that yeah there's obviously a whole bunch of stuff there um but yeah um hey ho uh I think that it's something that pretty much all of us will have fallen into particularly if you look at our older work because we are you know we are products of the society you know in which we come from the age in which we're writing and the media in which we consume um and hopefully as we get older we get wiser we start to see more things and that is the way that change is supposed to be so i don't think we should be hard on ourselves or hard on fiction which you know which has come before or which is older or even that we're producing now um because we learn and we develop and we grow so this is again not about hating on anyone who has enjoyed this kind of media in the past who has even written this kind of media in the past um it's about basically saying what can we do moving forward
1: yeah definitely it's always important to just ask the questions and do what you're doing consciously rather than sort of like oh well this follows because everybody else has already done it that way
0: yes exactly so um we're now at the end of our episode we
1: (laughs) really we've outdone ourselves and overrunning on this one
0: (laughs) yeah actually we we seriously have um (laughs) good lord actually we really have um i guess we had a lot to say about it so i do apologize guys and we uh thank you very much for listening uh before we go it is time for our dissecting dragons recommendation of the week and this week jules and i are going to be recommending um the new neil gaiman netflix sandman um it's it's been a journey
1: <laughs> yeah um uh, it, it's a really good adaptation of the graphic novels um it's part of the dc universe as well um so, uh, you know, it's kind of a fringe thing. But yeah, it came from the graphic novels originally and it's yeah. it was very sort of edgy and um, slightly contentious and challenging for its time, if you think, when it came mm. out. Um, it was it was doing representation long before people were using the word representation. For example,
0: yeah, it's, it's the funny thing is that people have been like, oh,
1: why, you know, why is it all representation? I'm like, D- did you look at the original? Comics? Yeah, Did you look at the graphic novels? <laughs> um, it, and it's an interesting. It's kind of like a minor god gets imp- imprisoned by a an occult circle, which is sort of the next thing to Alistair Crowley. And yeah. What happens from there? And it's the, it's also a bit stranger in a strange land where you have got morpheus the sandman walking through the human world um having been imprisoned and trying to interact with both the world and his own world and it's you're better off going into it not knowing too much about it i think but it it does pull yeah. on a lot of those sort of threads
0: yeah i completely agree it's very very interesting um i should warn people that it's definitely for adults um there are some graphic scenes for the most it's quite funny because it says like graphic scenes of violence and i'm like oh things haven't been too bad and then there was one episode where some really rather unpleasant things happened so um do bear that in mind if you're going into it nothing massive and when i'm talking about graphic scenes i'm not talking about um
1: it's not like kill bill or anything
0: it's not like kill bill or anything like that but you you sort of uh you see someone getting murdered and and people um kind of mutilating themselves uh i'm not gonna go too much into it so definitely but do bear that in mind if you're squeamish um that there are some upsetting scenes but it is actually a very very good series uh, the acting is superb yeah i should say as well um and i uh, just just in general um very very enjoyable so well worth watching
1: yes definitely
0: And on that note, guys, we'll say thanks very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week.
1: Yeah, thanks and goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast. You can follow our podcast at podbean.com or from iTunes. For more information, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash dissectingreaders. Or check out our author websites at jaironside.com and madelinevaughn.com. Please note that no dragons were harmed during the making of this podcast.